Greetings, it is I, James Major Burns, and I am your host of The Third Degree with me, James Major Burns, and we're back again for another episode, so get ready and listen up. So again, we're going to get right into this and let you know that this is an outlet and safe space for creatives like myself and others to speak on things going on in our lives and our world. Here you get to see what's behind the mind of the creative. So you get a chance to hear it from the horse's mouth because what you see isn't always the truth and what you hear isn't always the truth and people think they know us and they really don't. So here we get to learn, laugh, love, and share together. So ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is the Malcolm X of musicians, <laughs> meaning he's a very knowledgeable man in many, many areas. All right. And this is Mr. Alex Hines. Yeah, yeah. How's it going? Oh, it is going well. And I've had the pleasure of working with Mr. Hines very recently on a gig we performed at a wedding, which I, I actually had a lot of fun. Yeah, that, that was that was a that was a fun one. Typically, those types of settings can go one way or the other, but that was pretty much right down the middle. It was, it was a good vibe the whole night. It was, and I will say, I wasn't having the greatest day before then, so on my way there, I was just like, oh, let's just hurry up and get this over with. Yeah, and yeah. That, the drive getting there for me kind of put me in the same spot, but, you know, I guess that's the good thing about being a musician or being in this particular craft. It's like once you get into it, whatever was going on, it either comes out on your music or your music melts it away. You know? Yes. And it so. like it makes you happy. And I feel like yeah. once you lose that, I hope I never lose that feeling. Right. I lost that feeling for basketball. I used to love playing basketball. Yeah. I knew I wasn't going to the NBA. I, I was five nine. I wasn't dunking on nobody, <laughs> and I wasn't taking charges from nobody right. at all, let alone anybody six foot. Yeah. So yeah, I was I like, I don't it. have what it takes. I but you. I used to love to play. I used to have fun playing. Right. And the reason I stopped playing is I realized I wasn't having fun. People want to fight. Yeah. They, um, we, I always, I could never realize how, I'm like, so no one's going to help us take score. We're here playing this tough game. It's, you know, sometimes taking 20 minutes a game. Of course, we can't remember, like, the score exactly. Right. And all these people on the side of the court doing nothing, just watching us play, would never help us take score. Then we have to stop for 10 minutes, argue. And I'm like, you know how many times I got punched in the face? And I'm not a fighter. <laughs> I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. That's but I was getting worst. to the point of, of wanting to fight. Yeah. I was like, all right, look. I'm not going to keep getting hit in the face, scratched in the face for for nothing. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not playing for my dignity, you know. Right, right, right. So I had to hang up, you know, my basketball shoes because. I get it. You no, know, now I'm on a new court. I play tennis. Hey. And I tell you, you can play tennis all the way up until your dying days, and it's a great way to stay in shape. My dad played tennis up until the point where he was not able to, and that's probably, they say tennis and I think swimming are like two of the most athletic sports as far as what it requires. Yes, you know? I love individual sports because like, I ran track. I loved being in my individual events. Mm -hmm. Then I loved doing relays because of the team effort and aspect yeah. of that. But I'm like, in my individual events, all the glory goes to me, all the shame goes to me. It's up <laughs> right. to me yeah. to figure out a way to win. Exactly. And tennis was different and harder because I had to figure out a way to win. But there's this whole strategy. And some people will compare it to boxing because, like, you have a coach, but, like, you're in the ring by yourself. Right. You're on the court by yourself. Exactly. Somebody, just like life, somebody can tell you, 
the proper ways to do things, but yeah. you have to execute it yourself. And I tell you, it works out all kinds of muscles in your body that you don't even know. Yeah. Are there? You have to. Um, it's like the combine. The uh, college athletes have to go through like agility, yep. endurance, mm -hmm. all of that stuff. I Absolutely. thought basketball was hard when I tried to learn. When it took me three years to understand tennis to be able yeah. to like prosper in it. Yeah. But it's one of my favorite things to do and watch. And I think more people should do. I think more black people should play tennis because it's a very athletic sport. It is. It can be expensive though. Yeah, yeah. I, you, I agree. you buy one basketball that lasts you three summers. Yeah. Probably more. You have a basketball for a lifetime. Right. So tennis. Yeah. Thank you for bringing up tennis, which is one of my loves. Shout out to Serena and Venus still out here doing things. <laughs> I tell you, it's going to be a sad day. If anybody knows me well, they know how much I love Serena and Venus. Like, I done dropped some tears for them chicks right there. Yeah, it's it, going to be a sad day when they retire from me. They're definitely living legends already. Oh, yeah. I've been very happy. One thing I think about a lot is... Um, the people we have as far as those generation people, whether it's like musicians or athletes, but as far as musicians and athletes goes, like who are our greats are going to be. Right. So we have like Serena, Venus, um, Kobe, we have LeBron, yeah. different type of athletes who, you know, Kaepernick who stood up for yep. different things. Mm -hmm. And our generations before us had Ali, Aretha, yeah. um, all of Motown. So I'm, yeah. I always look at our athletes and our people like that. Now I'm like, wow. They're going to be in history books, and right. these new generations are going to be like, oh, you know, I never saw them play, but, and we're going to be able to tell them the stories. I was listening to um, an interview of Teddy Riley, and he was saying, he was like, we're the legends now. Yeah. And he was saying, you know, the other one, everybody is like passed on, and it's this shift of yeah. life. Yeah. And I'll be um, 29 this year, 30 next year. So it is this new shift of life. My mom and my dad, you know, the, they're getting into the grandparent right. stage now. Yeah. It's so it's so weird to see life move yeah. like that. I mean, it's a you can feel that shift. Right. Yeah. So how was it for you, um, getting older and now being a father? Um, that was definitely a pivotal moment in my life. Um, there's absolutely nothing that can prepare you for being a parent. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't care how many people say they're, they're ready for kids and, you know, they want kids or a kid, whatever the case may be. Once it happens, it's a totally different world. And it's not a bad thing saying that. It's just, you really don't know what comes out of you until you see that little life that you're responsible for and you're able to hold it in your hand. In my case, hands because I got twins right. so but it's 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 how was that so when she found out she was pregnant it's not like it's like yep you pregnant with twins on the pregnancy test yeah no so was, you go there and you heard they're like there's two heartbeats yeah right so it, it was it was crazy because um I was at work when she went to go get the sonogram I wasn't able to get off um and mm, she work. brought <laughs> right yeah so so she brought the uh she showed me the sonogram picture and I'm looking at it and she's just like, you know, I think I want you to be surprised. And I'm like, that's not typical for when you say something about a sonogram, you know, it's a surprise already being able to see the little, the jelly bean as they call it. Mm -hmm. But for her to say that, I'm looking at it and I'm studying and I'm like, all right, there's one, there's two. Hmm. I wonder. And she's like, can you tell? I'm like, what is it? Twins? And she's like, yeah, it's twins. I'm like, <laughs> I, I kind of guessed it, but the crazy thing is, me and one of my sisters, like growing up, we always said we wanted twins, and I just never thought it would happen. 
just because Does I it didn't, like run in your family or that's the crazy thing once I found out I was having twins I talked to uh, my aunt on my dad's side and she was like oh yeah you know twins are in our family your great-grandfather was a twin one of your uncles got a set of twins I'm like what was y'all gonna tell me you know, so I mean, it was it was cool, but you know, it <laughs> right? Was a surprise. You go tell me. Yeah. Are, now, are you related to Trey on your dad's side? Yes. His mom's a twin. Right. So Trey's father is my first cousin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. I always say I wanted twins. It's so funny because I have a couple of friends who, on their first time getting pregnant, mm -hmm. they had twins. Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine what it feels like for the woman because they got to carry the child so yeah. in this case they have to carry the children and you know um i and it's not because i'm you know in a relationship with a man but i've always wished like i could experience childbirth because of like the type of the co connection that i have with my mom or like a child has with mm -hmm. the mother mm -hmm. is something that's like or, like childbirth to me in general it's just like this experience that I feel like we miss out on as men. It's a connection of yeah. birth. It's like creating life. Like you left it up to this woman to be responsible yeah. for making sure these kids get here. Mm -hmm. And if something would have happened to them, it could be like, you could look at it like, well, what did you do? Because she was responsible for carrying them. Her body generated things and put them together and then gave birth to them. And that's how we all get here. Mm -hmm. yeah. We cannot get here without the body of a woman. Right. And so that, like, that whole skin-to-skin -skin thing in the beginning, them knowing the mom's heartbeat, the scent yeah. and stuff, I'm like, it's crazy that men don't get that type of experience or that connection mm -hmm. with a child. Now, I really, couldn't, I really couldn't imagine, like, childbirth. Like, I could not imagine, like, a whole person being inside you. Right. And for almost a year. Yeah. I have a completely different outlook and respect for any woman that willingly carries a child or carries a child, period, uh, whatever the case may be. And then does it a second time. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Especially carrying multiples. You're responsible for that life or those lives and your own, and you literally have to supply for all of those. And it's an amazing feat of strength. And any man who is jealous of that connection a mother has with the child really, truly does not get it. And that's just that, you know, I have all the respect for every mother out there. Even when it goes further into rights, like women get most of the right because it's like they did like most of the work. And yeah. that's the part I feel like that's something I wish I could. Um, I, I'm going to hope I can help change in the future. Like my um, brother has a child with a woman he's now with. And sometimes the process is difficult. Yeah. But she gets more of the um, rights for him as the mom. Right. And unless he wants to go to court and try to spend this money and make things difficult, which they can be. Yeah. You Very true. deal with, you know, the situation you're in. Yeah. And I've had it, I've seen it happen with a bunch of my friends. It happened to my dad. My dad has um, four kids and he got three um, mothers. Mm. So 
growing up watching him deal with the three of us and how he did it and you would think me and my brothers were raised in the same household yeah. but just like it's a fight no matter what to have to deal with three different type of people right and and, and the, their children also so i couldn't imagine but i hope that one day that fathers have more of the not even responsibility but get more of the same rights as moms do in situations like and it's, that it's, it's funny that you say that because that's actually happening more and more um it varies from state to state but um you know, unfortunately, the way our world is these days, it's not just automatically assumed that the mother has the best interest in mind. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, it's unfortunate. It's hard to make a, a mother look unfit, though. You yeah, can go out of your way is. and try because in a matter of minutes, somebody can look like they are living right. a, a good, decent life and taking care of their children. Yeah. Because the people who need to see aren't there every day to see. Exactly. And it's, especially when it comes to co-parenting, and again, it's easy to look on the outside exactly. and give an opinion. But I was a child of co-parenting, and I just have advice for, to hopefully give light and hopefully something to make situations better. And I, my thing is for people to, the, like the parents, to find their happiness also instead of trying to force themselves to be together. Right. Because ch we as the children see it. Exactly. And it that would make a difficult or, you know, that would make issues growing up um, as the child. Yeah. Like, I went through two divorces, and sometimes I tell people that, and they're like, you've been married? I'm like, well, my mom and my dad was married. <laughs> right. And then my dad married my stepmom, and then they got divorced. And it was um, one of the things that made me not want to be in a relationship for years. Mm -hmm. But um, I just, again, that's another thing, like, I just see so many people struggle with. I wish it was a way, like, I could help them. But I just hope that they can find help in, in this for the children. Like, I didn't realize until I got almost this age of all those songs, like, in the 80s and 90s, that we believe the children are the future. You yeah. know, like, they, the children are the world. I'm like, they really, we were the children, and now we're, like, the people shaping the world. So exactly. it didn't make sense to me um, until I got older of how important it is to be good influences or make sure a child is raised in a good environment. I mean, look at this, the mass shootings that's yeah. happening. The domestic violence with the people in the city, like especially it hits close when it's close here. Like, again, yeah. the guys who could have shot up the Jewish community center. Exactly. One guy, uh, one of the kids, you know, those, un, those poor kids, right. he worked at a tennis center that I worked at. And I was like, well, he was making threats against gay people, people of color. I'm like, well, I checked two of those boxes. Yeah. I played against him. Mm -hmm. I talked to him when I was there, but the whole time, I, I didn't know that right. was happening right here at home. Yeah. But man. And the, it's crazy because my boss, um, I work in Pittsburgh, um, and my boss, you know, he checked on me immediately that, that morning. It was like, you know, are you okay? Is you know, everything, fine, everything fine at home? And I'm like, yeah, I'm cool. And he's just going on a rant about, you know, um, different ways to prevent this stuff. He's a father of four himself. Um, I don't think any of his kids are above the age of 14. He's like, you know, it doesn't matter how much a parent or parents may be working, sometimes a, a simple hug will melt some of that stuff away, you know? and it. It just, you know, it's it's the truth. And it's the truth. We're so caught up these days in making money and staying afloat and how can I progress for myself and, you know, my kids will be fine as long as I, they have this. But sometimes just a simple hug. Like you said earlier, skin to skin with a baby, it, it, it grows. And you know how in our community, yeah. um, 
how we are, boys are supposed to be tough. Right, yeah. And I didn't, this is another thing I didn't realize. I was doing a podcast with some of my friends, and we, it was four of us, and we started talking about um, fathers, and I was the only one who grew up with my dad in my household. Wow. And I had never even thought about that before, sitting around in a group of my friends. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh. And then I'm an openly gay guy, flamboyant, so my father is a very tough exterior type of person. Mm -hmm. So for most people who know my dad, they know how he is. So that was one of the issues for me, telling him who I was as a person. But I feel so lucky to have my relationship that I have with my dad. Like I'm like, he's like one of my best friends. We talk all the time. And then to realize that other people didn't even grow up with their dads or they just don't have good relationships with them at all, like don't even talk to them. Right. I'm like, wow, I couldn't imagine a life without having my dad in my life. We went to move, we moved in with my dad because my parents were separated. We moved in with him in the later years, the latter years in life. And I felt like I needed to live with my dad, like from high school beyond. Yeah. Because he helped prepare me more for life in a way that like, you know, they say a woman can't teach a man how to be a man. So he taught me certain um, things I needed in life and instills very important things in my life that I still use today. Right. But it's, um, and it's, again, like with people in my community, like the father is the big thing. And then the, and our being black in the community, like the father in the household is a big thing. So for our generation and the people I know, such as yourself, mm-hmm. uh, kick drum, there's so many young black dads that I see. Like I saw a man walking to Rite Aid the other day with his daughter and it just like warmed my heart. And it's a really great thing to see um, men out with their children yeah. and being fathers because it doesn't, it's, it's not the same light that's shed on it as it is with moms. And as far as society norms, for a while I've been trying to just like focus on what I think society is versus what society is trying to tell us right. who we are. And for me, like things like that are important. And I think it's um, just as important to shine light on that or make statements about fathers as it is mothers. Yeah, absolutely. But moving on, see, this is what I like about the podcast, because I didn't have that. I wanted to talk about you being a father, but that take <laughs> took it into a nice little route. Yeah, and that's what absolutely. I like about um, having conversations like this. Yeah. But moving on, we are here, and I invited you on because you're one of the very well-known musicians in the city, and you just so happen to be the drummer in Dream Girls the Musical, which opens September 6th at the Youngstown Playhouse. So you make sure you get your tickets. They <laughs> yes, are indeed. on sale yes, now. Yes, indeed. You can visit the youngstownplayhouse.com for that, or you can call the Youngstown Playhouse, and I'll get you that number by the end of the show. So where did music start for you? Um, music started for me at a very young age. Uh, both of my parents are, were involved in music. I say were because my father's passed on, um, but my mother is very well still active in music as well. Um, I grew up surrounded by music. My dad was heavy into jazz, um, all types of jazz, whether it's smooth jazz, modern jazz, swing, big band, all of that stuff. He was just very well-rounded as far as music. And my mother was as well. Um, Grew up in the church, so of course Mm -hmm. I had the heavy background for gospel um, growing up. And I absolutely loved that to my core. But I was fortunate enough to have parents who appreciated 
all genre, all genres of music. So I grew up listening to a little bit of everything. You That's know? good because you yeah. know, growing up in the church, they could be like, yeah. "This what you're listening to, and this what you're right, not." Right, right, yeah, yeah. Like I said, fortunately enough, um, both of my parents are, you know, very well versed in all types of music. Um, but going deeper into that, um, both of my grandmothers sang. Uh, my mom's mom and my dad's mom. Um, my dad's mom was very well known for her vocal presence in church as well. Uh, and going further into that, <laughs> <laughs> my dad's father's side of uh, his family um, had very pivotal, uh, I guess, encounters with music, if, if you could say. Um, turns out that my great-grandfather, uh, by the name of Tiny Bradshaw, was one of the um, pioneers for, I'm sorry, for rock and roll, uh, believe it or not. Um, wow. There's a song, yeah, he, of course, he grew up in the swing era, uh, big band jazz. Um, he is the writer of a song that rock bands like the Yardbirds and Aerosmith still perform to this day called Train Kept a Rolling. Really? Yeah. He's I'm have to the, get that. I'm gonna have to download that today. Yes, make sure y'all go find that song. Tiny Bradshaw is the writer and composer of that song. Wrote it back in the 40s or 50s, one of the two. I can't remember exactly. But um, like I said, the Yardbirds made that song famous in modern day, and Aerosmith went on to cover it after them, and made it even more famous. And that's still a part of their repertoire today. Wow. How does yeah. it feel to be a part of that history? It's mind blowing. Um, and then to still be living of the, like you're a part of the legacy. Yeah. And you've added on to the legacy. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm seeing that very early in both, both of my sons. You know, it's crazy. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. So are they one now? They just turned one in June. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that, I know that must be great. I love like just the imagination of your thoughts of who they're going to grow up to be as people and yeah. probably hopefully musicians of some yeah. aspect. Not and that I, you want to make them do it, but right. it's a love of yours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I always say like, you know, it can't be, my dad wanted us to play basketball and by hella high water, we was going to play basketball. <laughs> but you know, he came to my track meets too. That wasn't mm -hmm. his thing. So he wanted us to, and like you said, hopefully you want your kids to do the things that you like, but right. as much as you try, they're going to grow into the people that they want to be in. So when did you start playing? What was the first instrument you started? Playing? First instrument, I'm sorry. First instrument I started playing was drums. Um, my older brother, uh, played drums as well. Still plays drums. So how many siblings do you have? So I have a total of five siblings. Uh, both of my parents had children, before, had a child before they met. Um, so I have an older sister by my dad. I have an older brother by my mother. And together they have four, which is two older sisters, myself and a younger sister. So are you um, the youngest? Are you right before the youngest? I'm right before the youngest. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my older brother played drums, um, played in church as well. And he would, I would get on his nerves playing on his drums. Oh. You know, he's the older brother, don't touch my stuff. Right. You know, that type of thing. <laughs> right. But, you know, he, he, he nourished the gift that he saw in me as well as my parents and as well as others in church. And that was my first instrument and is my main instrument. Do a lot of people know that he was like one of the people who... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. That's good to know because a lot of... My sister doesn't live here and she hasn't lived here since I was in 18. 
or before. So a lot of people don't know I sing and dance and a lot of my charisma and like character comes from her mm-hmm. and who she is. And I was thinking about that um, when I was away doing Shrek. And I was just like, wow, I, I wish, um, I wish they knew where like these sides of me come from. Yeah. Cause it's something else to be appreciated. Mm-hmm. But so your brother kind of started helping you play. So when was it that you, um, so you, were playing of course you were playing in church and I know they do like youth Sundays and whatnot so I'm sure you were hopping in in those yeah um I think the very first service I played in I was five years old wow yeah and I was able to keep a pocket which was very important I was about to say because drums are the the heartbeat yeah of the music so you know if that's not on everything could be off exactly um, and that's a big leadership role too. That's there's so really many is. lessons going into that. It really is. And so I'm sure it put a lot of structure into you at a young age. Yeah, and I didn't realize how important that was until maybe I got into college. You know, but yeah, that you're you're absolutely right about that. So as you went throughout schools, um, I'm sure you continued to play at church. So in school, were you able to like play in band, orchestra? So. The school that I grew up in from daycare up until eighth grade uh, was the school by my home church, which is Calvary, uh, Mount Calvary. Okay. Uh, so Calvary Christian Academy is where I went to school. Um, they introduced band to us um, when I was in fourth grade, and they didn't allow us to do drums because they felt like it would be too typical. They wanted us to get more into um, the melodic side of music as well. So I played saxophone. That's great. Yeah. I, uh, that's one of my favorite. Now nah, I can't play. <laughs> right. But it's one of my favorite things to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's where a lot of my music knowledge started increasing was, you know, there. And I didn't play an instrument in school until my senior year of high school after that. And was it in band? Yeah. In and I tell band. you. I used to love going to those football games, and <laughs> y'all's um, one school's band would be over here in this corner, and the yeah. other school's band would be over here in this corner. It'd be cold, mm-hmm. but we'd be out there together, and then when the band started hitting, and that yeah. dance line came yeah. out, and the flag line came out, and even though we didn't have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in the stands for our schools, it was still, that's how I feel like I got to know like the other sides of the city. Right. We came out, and it was always a little bit of ruckus, but you know, yeah. kids will be kids. Yeah. But those were some of my greatest like memories. I was the water boy at Wilson when I was a freshman, <laughs> and I, I felt like, like when I would watch movies and see kids be, you know, that that was the athlete. That's how I felt. I was yeah. like, oh, this person is popular. You know, if they know me, and I'm like, oh, you you're thirsty? Let me get you some water. Let me make sure <laughs> I got you. If right, you need right, something, right. I'm over here. <laughs> yeah. Even on the bus, I would be so excited to do that. So saying you went to Wilson, you already knew the game to be at was Rand and Wilson, and I went to the right. Rand School. So the Rand. Yeah, the um, Rand School. The Rand High School. If anybody else, <laughs> I tell you, it's so funny when people be like, uh, uh, the Rand. Yeah. Yeah, that's important. Yes. Very important. And those games, I remember, oh, I I think I remember the last game in 2007 yeah. um, that I went to and uh, Wilson lost, um, which they did often. And <laughs> but, but I tell you, Wilson wasn't, the like, the teams 
when it came to basketball also, which I played, we didn't care about winning any other game. When it was yep. time to play Rand and yeah. Cheney, mm-hmm. we, you know, that's hometown. Absolutely. So you got to have bragging rights exactly. on top of the fact that it's like we grew up together and Youngstown's not that big, so we grew up together in the city and we played at the basketball courts and that's right. fine. You can win at Yellow Creek all you want. You yeah. can win down at the cage all you want. Mm-hmm. This is going to make the paper. People are going to be here. People care more about this. Exactly. So those games meant so much. Yeah. I remember a basketball game I played at Liberty, and we were playing a bunch of people we know. And I was new to Cheney's team. I was so mad. I was so mad when Wilson and Rand shut down because yeah. it was my year to be on the the varsity team yeah. with my coach. They sent our coach to Cheney. Mm. No, they sent our coach to East, okay. and I went to Cheney. Gotcha. So I was like, so now I got to go and still a spot on the starting team. Right. We didn't yeah. get along with, like, the kids from the team. They didn't want us to make the team. They wanted their friends. Yeah. But I was a logical person always. I was like, why can't the best people make the team? And I know coaches, um, like the coaches at Cheney, they, like, I, I think sometimes they get into, oh, they have to make sure you learn a lesson. Oh, you can have, um, you can be the best basketball player, but if your grades aren't the, gr- the greatest, you might not make the team. And I'm like, well, why not? Right. That's some, sometimes what these kids, that's all they have. Yeah. And we all don't learn the same way. I wish I went to a school of arts in high school or in yeah. elementary school. Yeah. I was always out of my chair and talking all the time because I, I was expressing myself. I didn't want to sit down. Mm-hmm. And I know, again, I was a child. I needed to listen. But it was much harder for me. I always was getting in trouble because right. I was always talking. I was always up. I was always dancing. I was always doing something. Yeah. And I wish somebody would have been able to realize, like, he needs to be doing something where he can express himself because him being in this type of environment isn't working for him. Exactly. And um, <clears throat> the year after I graduated, they made Cheney a visual performer on school. <laughs> and I was heated. I yeah. said, oh, oh, now. <laughs> right. Now but you I was it. happy for them. Yeah. And I wish um, th- it's not the same type of school now, but I want to be able to help out with that one day. Yeah, I get that. So you get through high school. So now when you're deciding to go to college, did it have anything to do with what you will be able to learn for your craft? Not initially. Um, I actually waited a year before I went into college. Um, It was kind of like, you know, I didn't really want to go to school. Um, I had dreams of going to the military. Um, Really? Yeah. I -hmm. wanted to be... Uh, in the United States Marine Corps, and I still have love for that. Well, you look like heart. you could be in the Marine Corps. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's something. Minus all the tattoos. Yeah, right. Yeah. That they have, but besides that, you look like you could do it. Yeah, you know, so I mean, I, whatever decisions I made at that time, I didn't go. Um, so it was either work, go to school. I'm like, I'm not really feeling school, so I'll go work. Got tired of working at a fast food joint, so I said, let me go to school. What am I going to go to school for? I had choices. Um, in high school, I was into um, IT, so I could have did that. But I was like, eh, I'm still not really feeling school, so what's going to be the easiest thing? Music. That's natural to me. So I enrolled into Dana School of Music and um, immediately became a part of their jazz bands. Um, you know, it wasn't the easiest thing for me to do because coming from Youngstown City Schools, uh, music wasn't nourished as much as some of these other kids coming into school 
uh, where, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, you know, you had There's kids. There's some kids that just because they go, they get put in piano lessons, they get put in yeah. singing lessons at the age yeah. of three mm-hmm. because that's what their parents have them set exactly. up to do. Yeah. They can have no talent. Right. At all. Right. And, but this is what they've learned to do all of their lives. Exactly. And then also, um, I know for like me at my church, we learned parts, but they weren't teaching us music. Right. They weren't teaching us to read music. Exactly. But yeah. uh, we knew how to sing our parts, but right. it wasn't like a proper way to do it. Exactly. So unknown to me, that was a huge advantage. Like exactly what you said, that was a huge advantage for me going into college. I wasn't the best reader, but I had music in me. So some of these kids who were coming from great reading backgrounds, great, you know, a lot uh, of them can't don't have an ear for Exactly. They don't nothing. have a, they don't have an ear. They can read whatever you put in front of them, but they can't feel what they're playing. So I was going into school intimidated because I'm like, what happens when they put this music in front of me? And I remember my jazz audition, my jazz band audition like it was yesterday. I was sitting outside, I actually was on my way. I got up out of my seat and was about to leave out. And then the door opened. They said, uh, Alex Hines, uh, you're next. And I'm like, well, Jesus. <laughs> you was right, about to call it quits? I, I, was, I was getting up and walking out the door, literally. What was going through your mind? I'm like, why am I sitting here wasting my time? I'm not, I'm not going to be reading, you know, and I'm always going to be messing up in front of all these people who have been doing this for some period of time. So why sit here? You know, why waste their time? Why waste my time? Let me go get myself more ready. Walked in. They told me what the song was. Um, I'm faking. I'm looking at the music sitting on my left hand side. They count it off. And I'm like, all right, I know this note. I know what that rhythm is. I know what that rhythm is. Let me fake it through there. See, that's what I'm talking about. And it's, it's crazy because, you know, after the whole band started playing, I'm like, Yo, some of these cats suck. <laughs> it was crazy, like, you know, <laughs> but it made me more comfortable. But they got all the confidence in the world, though. Yeah. You couldn't tell them nothing. Nothing. It made me more comfortable hearing how, quote, unquote, bad they were. But I also started to feel the music they were playing. So I said, oh, let's just take this for a drive. And I did that. Ended up in the second jazz band, which at that time was still pretty notable because it was like, all right, we got all these people that are good but some are just a little bit better, so we'll put the second band here. And that was probably the best thing to happen for me because I ended up in a band with um, people like Cliff Barnes, who's a great, phenomenal piano piano player. Um, And the band was directed by Dr. Dave Morgan, who was probably the most creative of the jazz instructors at YSU. Um, And he introduced some of his personal music to that band because he liked the makeup of the band and it was great. And typically, you know, you stay in that jazz band for a whole year. But after my first semester, they're like, well, it was great having you here. And I'm like, oh, shucks, I'm getting kicked out. No, they graduated me to jazz one. Oh, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, right. That's, that's the same feeling I have. But they were like, yeah, you're going to jazz one next, next semester. So I'm like, wow, okay. So what do you think was the best thing you learned and the greatest tip mentally and then um, skillfully when you left Dana? Mentally? Because mental, um, I always stress. And with my children and and the show, my stage children and people in general in life, mentally you have to be always taking care of yourself and be strong to survive in the world. And then in the business, 
we are in because you said you wanted to get up and walk away just because of what somebody was going to say their thoughts on you right but in fact that's exactly why you're going in there for them to tell you that you did a good job and when you go to an audition you people are, are there to judge you period yeah, yeah yeah not to stroke your ego they're there to judge you and, and that's, that's one thing you don't want to want from the world but right. then we choose to like it's like i'm so nervous that for, like i had horrible stage fright but i wanted to perform in front of people yeah yeah and that's honestly something i hadn't experienced much before so the whole thing was just brand new and frightening but as far as what i took away from my time at dana um mentally i would have to say there's there i guess there's two parts to it one part is people are always going to see what's great in you first and then the flip side of that they're going to try to pick apart and maximize what's not so great about you and it happened almost daily for me and Dana because everybody knew me almost immediately as the drum set guy. And there was another guy who was the drum set guy before me, but again, he didn't have that natural feel. So right. it's like, okay, yeah, you're the drum set guy, but you can't really read. And we know that because we're sitting here and we're, we're music nerds, so we can see that. And I'm just like, all right, cool, but you can't do what I can do, you know? So mentally, there's always going to be something people like and hate about you. Right. It's your job to put your likes, you know, in your forefront and, you know, haters going to hate. Right. And my first song as Jimmy and Dreamgirls is Fake Your Way to the Top. And yeah. I tell you, I will fake it till I yeah. make it. Mm -hmm. I um, was away doing Shrek and... I like to present myself a certain way, but you never know how people are feeling about you. Right. So living in the house the first week where a bunch of kids, I say kids because they were like 19, 20, and you know, I'm closer to 30. In the show, mostly from New York City, LA, just around the USA. Most of them had went to school for theater. A lot of like great big theater schools such as like AMDA mm -hmm. in um, New York City and LA. I was mm -hmm. like, oh. And they're like, where'd you go? I'm like, the Youngstown Playhouse Academy. <laughs> they're like, what's that? I'm like, it's a community theater in my city. I just did, I didn't go to school. And it used to intimidate me. But like you said, we have something that they don't have. I had the pure love and enthusiasm yeah. from just myself of wanting to do this before I ever thought about it as a career. As to where most of them, and I, I can't speak for all of them, but a lot of them probably have been taking lessons mm -hmm. or given opportunities to do things and not even wanting to do it so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of my other, um, the guy who played Farquaad, he didn't start doing musical theater until he was a junior in high school. Wow. So you can't always tell um, where people are coming from, but there are definitely times you can see the difference. But um, I always consider myself like the rogue talent or like the rogue performer. Like, you know, um, Rogue from X-Men. Yeah. Like she could take um, the powers from them. And that's how I felt like I was. I would go into a show. I would take up everything. I told Josh, I was like, Josh, look, I was just taking everything that I saw in you and just making it work for me. Exactly. Exactly. And you helped make me greater. You, um, my friend, um, Corey, he says quality wants to be surrounded by quality. Yeah. And um, not having all of those lessons before used to scare me but it, it doesn't anymore I have to I've been able to own and acknowledge all of my goods now and like you were saying it's like I know all the things that I'm like strong at and I don't have to worry about so much 
getting that to the next level. I can work on other things now to to bring it up. Right. But um, you don't need a degree to be in this business. That's Y'all said that. That's 100% true. You don't need a degree to be true. in this business. And passion yeah. and emotions are why people love performances. Very true. So you could be reading that music perfectly all you want. If you are not giving that feeling, yeah. like if you're not putting that presence in right. your music, it's just going to be okay. That's what separates people. Exactly. And we come from the church background where... You know, I've been to churches where people don't sing great, but they still like a good feel like it's a feeling in there. It's like, okay, right. all right, pastor, no, he can't sing, but he feeling it. And we go, I'm feeling it too. And a lot of times you don't, in church, or quote unquote the black church, you don't get prepared in a traditional sense. Like, hey, we're going to, like you said, we're not, we're not reading music in the hymn, hymn books for the sake of learning the notes. It's more so for the words. So right. we get those right. We got the melody embedded in us right so i guess i would say a lot of times in church we're thrown into the fire when mm -hmm. it comes to being in the forefront you know there's not a lot of prep time you just get tossed into it and um you know i posted a status the other day and it's like talking about what we're talking about now it makes a lot more sense to me even though it did when i posted it but it said um the quote says experience teaches slowly often at the cost of many mistakes and I feel like that goes hand in hand with a lot of what we're talking about right now. Um, when it comes to the technical side of things, like you said, you, you, you pull from people uh, what, you wanna, what you wanna do for yourself and you, you make it work for you. So uh, when it comes to the technical side of things, I, you're, you're hit it right on the head. You know, take from those around you what you need to build yourself up, you know? So how has it been, because I always say, and I tell our, our friends this now, we're very lucky to be able to perform together to have fun, but then to be able to do it and make money and profit yeah. off of it. It's, we're, and it's a large group of us, and more of us have become mutual friends now as we grow, but there's real love there, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I feel so lucky, and I'm, I, I, I want to live in the moment and and embrace it and have a lot of fun w with it right now because these moments come and go so fast. Right. Dream Girls is going to be over so quickly. And then I haven't done a stage show with Josh since 2015. Wow. Because he's been on the road. Yeah. So we don't have that many of these opportunities. So we have to make sure we are, we're enjoying them. Right. But as we try to progress with our talents and in, in the business, we get caught up in trying to be perfect in the business aspect of it. Mm -hmm. But we have to enjoy, again, like I said, I quit playing basketball because I couldn't enjoy it. I'm like, with this, it's my love and I want it to be my job, but I have to remember to find those moments to enjoy what I'm doing. I'm so, it, is, it makes, I can't even put into words how happy I am to be performing one of my favorite shows ever with a lot of my favorite people. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this isn't even work. Exactly. When I was donkey, it wasn't work. Right. That was not work to me. I, all summer, I got to play one of my favorite characters, one of the most iconic animated characters, yeah. and just be joyful every day. Right. I had so much fun, and that's how it is with Jimmy. I'm having so much fun. I get to develop his character, and again, I've watched this movie. When it came out, I tell the story all the time. I was late to school. I was late to basketball <laughs> practice because I was watching Dreamgirls. Right, to, yeah. So I could go home, learn those words, yeah. and sing. And it was... Um, 
a big moment in like our history, like for us, like for to have all of those names, Jamie Foxx, Beyonce, Jennifer Hudson, right. um, Eddie Murphy in that movie and the music and yeah. loosely based off like the Supreme. So they reintroduced it to a new generation. Right. And then with us um, in our industry as um, theater for people of color, black people, we don't have that many roles. Right. So this show hasn't been done here in 30 years. And that's what I'm talking about, like being a part of history and not even knowing it. Right. Yeah. So we have a job to do. It's like more than just us going out here to enjoy ourselves. People come to see us. People want to hear you play because they want something to feel good about. They right. want to remember the solo that you have. And, and they will. And they'll notice how much things mean to you. And it's like when somebody walks up to you and they're like, man, good job. You like, you were really killing it up there. Like, thank you. Or, or thank you. Or just great job. Those are the moments that make it great for me from like what we're doing. Yeah. Agreed. So, so how is it working with, you know, some of your friends for you? How is it for you? Um, very similar to what you just explained. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have some of the friends that I do, the close friends that I do. Um, people like Kick Drum, uh, Jay Simon, um, Michael Hall, uh, Mike Scotts. Though that's my core of friends now as, as an adult. Uh, of course, you got friends growing up, but right. these guys are the epitome of iron sharpens iron. Um, that's how I look at our friendship. And we're all. That's a great expression. Yeah, yeah. and. You know, once you find people that you can actually make that, you know, that quote a, a real life thing, it means a lot more to you. Um, and I'm happy that all of us have the same passion when it comes to music. You know, Isn't that's, it great? That, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I used to want my other friends. I'm like, I wish y'all sang. And then I just right. found friends yeah. who did love yeah. what I right. did. So I was trying to make my friends I grew up with these people. I just found these people. And I'm like, oh, they understand you. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's something you love that you can share with them. Absolutely. Um, and the other part of that, to our friendship, we're all uh, driven by success. So that translates into our friendship uh, by doing things like you saw with the Roundup. Oh, um, well, you know, I was... <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I was there. Right, and, you know, nothing's ever perfect, so not no, not knocking the Roundup at all. It was great, but, you know, it, it took a break for us to be able to reform and reshape and, uh, you know, pick apart what doesn't work and what does work and build something bigger if that's what needs to happen. Right. And... You know, we're all business-minded, and I love that because we're able to do those things and remain friends. We can tell, you know, hey, that idea didn't work. Um, With no. you guys, it's, well, I, I um, like, look up to, and it's inspirational because I talk to, like, Gary a lot mm -hmm. about, um, like, things or ideas, and he gives me great advice openly and willingly. Yeah. And I've even talked to Micah, and we don't have, like, we're like mutual friends, but still, because of that, he is very open to helping me out. And it's—I was gonna say, like you—it's all men, so you guys are an emotional. And I, I love to see that you guys are able to work together. And it's like when when it's business, it's business. Exactly. And even if there's issues with that, yeah. that's business. Right. And I think that's like what me and my friends we're going through and trying to learn, because you know our little group be shady. So we're <laughs> trying to figure out things and. Some of us are like, for me, I am able to separate. I'm an emotional person, mm -hmm. but I'm able to separate 
emotions from business. And we really just started working together in a professional way when we put on our own productions. So now we're in charge and we're profiting off of it, right. of how things are done and how they are ran. So we're still in the beginning process of it, but it's good. It's like great for us to have like you guys to look up to in that experience um, and the example for us. And I don't know, like, if you guys even know that, um, of how much even we talk about y'all sometimes, of, like, when we thought about the orchestra, we were like, you know, you're the first name that came up. Trey, like, well, that's my cousin. He gonna do it. I was like, well, you better ask him. So well, you were, like, the first names, Gary, for sound. We, um... It was always that. And what you guys did with the Roundup, like, it was such a great thing for the city. I thought it was such a great um, environment, like, the energy and the atmosphere. Yeah. Like, for me, like, I, you, um, as a man, like, sometimes I wear earrings. Sometimes I wear um, heels or, like, just exuberant outfits that wear. I don't feel comfortable um, in the city going everywhere. Yeah. Um, and that stuff, but I felt comfortable in there doing it. I felt safe in there. Yeah. And even as an artist, it was so much fun. I don't get to perform with bands that often. So I got to come and have fun. And then it was like practice for me. Right. And all my friends are there. And the energy, like we used to just have such a great time. Exactly. And it gives us time to even be able to see each other. Yeah. So I know you guys had to do whatever you wanted and had to make sure business was together. But oh my gosh, it was one of the greatest things. Like I felt like we had seen in a long time here. Yeah, and that's pretty much where that whole idea came from. Um, you know, I didn't have as much of a hand in it as I wanted to, uh, but you know, with us still being friends and and you were still living in Pittsburgh, also exactly. Right? That's that's the main reason why. Um, but like you said, it was it was something that we needed in the city, and we pretty much just got tired of saying, "Man, I wish this, I wish that." You got places like uh, Frida's. Um, on the north side or across from Trey right. Staples. That's been a staple for some of the musicians that we came up under for a long time. And they still use that. That's cool for them. Right. We need something for our generation. Right. So this is basically where that idea kind of spawned from. And, and then we even have some of the got people from that generation come in and join us. Exactly. And now I know more people. Now I have like yeah. more mutual friends. Yeah. And that's what I liked about it. I got to meet more artists. Right. From our city that we didn't even know about. Yeah. And or from other surrounding cities. Right. And, I, you know, I, I'm glad that I get to play with some of those um, musicians that brought me up. Now, they, they look at me as a peer, and I'm happy about that. But it's always still a learning experience with them, you know? Um, right. But it's basically just us bridging the gap. You know, we don't want it to be like, oh, that's our, that's our parents' generation, so they're going to do their thing. We got our stuff over here. No, music transcends time. Right, those are, like you said, they are the leaders. They're pre put, they should be, and what I would like is for them to be preparing us exactly. for the, you know, change of guard, mm -hmm. for us to be the ones who are in charge now, and the tools we need to um, have and the things we need to know so we can do that for the next generation right. so we can keep this thing going of what exactly. we have. Not I always only tell that. people, no matter what, always do what you love to do. Yeah. Not only that, but with us being in this generation, we have a little more knowledge about the business. I had no idea, maybe until about four years ago, just how much music that's in the mainstream came directly out of Youngstown. Talking about people, of course, Billy Beck with the Ohio players. Yes. Um, Multi-Grammy winning. 
but uh, people like Rick Ward, who was in the uh, the band, um, I believe it was Color Me Bad. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm Everyday People. Mm -hmm. That's Rick's song. Rick is dependent for that, even though you know wow. they they kind of spun it off of something else. That's Rick's doing. That's his arrangement. Rick also wrote for Anita Baker some of her hit songs, like a couple. But people don't know that because back then the business was so shady, you know, he got spun out of his oh, rights. So, yes. you know, wow. But it's, it's like stuff like that. It's like, okay, we see and we appreciate what you did. Now, pass us on the keys to see how to build from what you did and secure it. You know, right. That's that's pretty much what we're all about and what we're doing in this generation. And that's what we're trying to do for the next generation. I was having a conversation with um, my friend yesterday when I was visiting my godson Nugget. Shout out to Nugget. <laughs> Just turned two in July. <laughs> but we were talking about how like sometimes with generations, they, because um, I get that, oh, the millennials are so entitled. I'm like, no, we just kind of put up with less because of you guys. And sometimes it's like a bittersweet thing for, my, yeah. like for me, like when I got my younger brother, I'm like, he get, it's like my parents were just easier on him. But it, for whatever reason, it just seemed like he got things that I didn't get. And maybe it was because they could afford those things or maybe they understood better or maybe they were just trying things different but it's almost like that sometimes I feel that way with the older generations they're like you guys just don't y'all don't gotta work hard y'all don't know what hard work is you don't know what being tired is it's like okay well we're, we're tired in a different way you know right. I'm, I'm mentally fatigued yeah. I'm mentally exhausted I don't have to be physically worn right. out to the right. ground and work, we don't have to work to the bone anymore right we have a different way of doing things like you said um so I don't want it to be uh, us versus them thing ever. Right. And it's sad for me when I feel like the the person that I should be looking up to or looking for direction from doesn't even get it or understand it yet. And that's, I mean, that's people though. That's who we are as people. So yeah. I understand everyone's not in the head space to understand that or be, everyone's not a leader even a person with a lot of knowledge, everyone can't lead right. the right way. Or everyone can't lead me. Everyone can't lead me the right way. I have to find the person who can mentor me or be able to help lead me to the to my victory. Right. So I just practice now for myself being that person. Because I know just who I am at the age I am. There are some people under me or older than me looking at me in a certain way or what I'm going to do next and or following by my example. Yeah. Very true. So we will be winding down. Um, I've been very, very pleased to have you here and get to know you a little bit better. It's because been a I've pleasure. Heard a lot about you just um, from you being a great musician and then from our friends who know you and, of course, Trey Vale, because you're his cousin, <laughs> as he loves to say. Yeah. You know Alex is my cousin. Yes, I do. Yes, yeah. I do, if you haven't told me for the 75th time. Right, right, right. So... How excited are you for Dreamgirls? I'm actually super excited about it. Um, I probably fell in love with this particular production from the movie just because there were so many stars in it that yeah. I loved. I'm like, you know, I heard about it here and there growing up. I'm like, eh, whatever. Like I knew some songs. I knew and I Am Telling Yeah, I mean, right. Yeah, so right. I knew that's, that. That's probably the only one I knew before the movie came out. But it's like... Seeing it done on the big screen and then me being such a fanatic for production when it comes to the screen 
and behind the scenes soundtrack, stuff like that. I fell in love with it because it was so well done. So to have an opportunity to, to do it myself now, I'm, I'm like head over heels almost, you know? It's just super exciting. And then for our city, we don't, again, I was saying about like the culture of our people in this industry, we don't have that many shows. This is true. So the city is very excited. And the city, I mean, our people, black people are excited to come to the theater to see themselves on right. stage. That's right. what it is. They're coming to see themselves on stage. And when Trey was thinking about um, who he wanted to put on the production team and how he wanted things to look, he was thinking of the people of color he can give opportunities. So right. it's a full black production of a show as far as by us. Like, yeah. I, I remember I used to think FUBU was whack until I got the idea. I was like, <laughs> right. I, yeah. I get it. Yeah. How can we sit here and call FUBU whack, but it's literally for us, by us. Yeah. So I'm thrilled to, I was a part of The Wiz in 2014, okay. which made me young sound famous. <laughs> <laughs> I became James Major Burns after The Wiz. Gotcha. I always say it made me young sound famous, but I get called the scarecrow everywhere. I've gone on to be greater. I've improved. Yeah. And people were like, I still love you as a scarecrow because it's <laughs> sentimental to them. Yeah, right. It, right. It's a place that, you know, we grew up, my dream the Scarecrow, Michael Jackson played the Scarecrow. Yeah. I, I have a dream about being anybody else. I said, that's who I want to be. So, and I've been in Cats. I've been in some of the top grossing shows here. But the feeling that I received from the audience, from the Wiz, mm. is unmatched. Yeah. I felt like there were people on the walls standing and hanging and screaming. Yeah. It was just a, a feeling like I want, and I, I feel like we're going to exp experience that again with dream girls and i'm just so happy to be a part of it and again like it's history the playhouse is the oldest community theater in the nation yeah and this is a historic place again and i'm i a few years ago started thinking about being a part of the history and i was like put me on the wall like, right yeah i am a part of this legacy that people years and years after us are going to come back and learn about mm -hmm. like there are people here um, Miss Carla D. Gibson, she sang the Plaza Optical song when we grew up. Right, yeah. And that's something I think all of us remember. Yeah. The Plaza Optical. <laughs> so when I met yeah. her, I was like, you the Plaza Optical lady? Like, are you got to be kidding me? I used to sing this song all the time. Yeah, right, but right. that's legendary, like, around here, you know? So it's, I always say I wanted to, I wanted my hometown to love me before I wanted the world to love me because this is my home. Right. So I'm so happy to have gained some of that ground being from here and like making my mark on this. And I just want to continue to grow. So before we leave, I will ask, do you have any questions that you want to ask me? Um, not really. I'm, I'm loving what you're doing with, with, you know, this podcast. Um, I was excited that you, you know, even reached out to me to be a part of it. I probably have one of the most humble hearts that you'll ever come across. I'm like, why do you want to interview me? But, you know, whatever, cool. It's so funny to me when um, almost everyone I ask was like, what are we going to talk about? Like, um, what do you want to interview me for? Um, I don't do anything. I'm like, you're like you. You're a whole musician. You've worked professionally. <laughs> People talk about you all the time. You're on the top of everyone's list if they want to work with a musician. There's, you have a lot of respect. And I always say, um, for me, sometimes people 
it could be like the thin line between confidence and arrogance, which I don't think I'm arrogant, but I'm definitely confident in my abilities now, but I used to be very, very insecure. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get the same energy as not to be as insecure as I am when people tell me that I don't need to be so confident. Yeah. And I, if Jennifer Hudson sings that and I am telling you, I can fall out on the ground, I can shout and clap for her, me and my friends are running around together. But if I give myself that same energy, they're going to be like, oh, you doing too much. You think you're the stuff. Why? Right. Why can't I love myself that much? Right. Why can't I pat myself on the back that much? Yeah. So I see that in other people. And that's what I want them to know. That's why I did um, the podcast. I'm like, there's a bunch of creatives around here who just... I feel like their voice needs to be heard. Or I just feel like we watch enough TV, I watch enough Love and Hip Hop to listen to them all day talk about the stuff they want to do. They're doing everything I want to do. So instead of waiting on somebody to give me the opportunity to ask me for an interview, I'm going to give myself the interview. Instead of waiting for something to happen in Youngstown, I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to be... Like I said, I didn't want to be the Wendy Williams of Youngstown. I'm not that type of person to try to exploit people and just ask like the tough questions just for the story. But I, right. I like to talk. I like to get to know my peers. And I felt like us talking to each other will help us make things better. Yeah. Like in the absolutely. world and like in the city, it help us understand each other a little bit more and around the world. Like it's amazing to me that technology has the power for people to hear us. Ten and thousands of miles away from yeah. Youngstown, right? In different countries, mm -hmm. and that's how we relate. Like I only know Youngstown, Ohio, really. I don't even know the United States that well, let alone the world. But people can hear our voices, and we don't know whose lives we're changing, or yeah. just helping. Right. And it helps me learn about myself. I listen back to these a lot, and I learn a lot about myself. So I'm just like want to be a part of helping people understand like every time I figure out something for myself I'm like oh let me tell them it might not work for them but you could take what I say and make it apply it to you right and when it yeah. comes to like I'm more than just a singer I'm an actor I'm a dancer I'm a performer all through and through but I also want all I want my own content right I write my own music and it, it doesn't matter where it takes me I want I'm gonna do it because I want to do it so now I feel like I can do anything so I just feel like there's endless possibilities and I just want to give people the same energy I want them to know, like you, like you can do way more. Or and your voice kind of needs to be heard. Mm -hmm. I know um, people are gonna listen to this and be like, I never knew that about Alex. Or that's really interesting to hear. Yeah, and it's crazy because people know me as a quiet person anyway. So this is probably the most a lot of people will ever even hear me talk. Right, and then you know. Your exterior looks like a big, strong <laughs> man yeah. who doesn't really smile that much. So I was like, oh, who was that? Um, let, me not, let me not step on his J's. So it's right, a different yeah. side. And I yeah. always say, like, we could control our narratives a lot. Because people say stuff about us. I don't care to respond. Right. But sometimes it's like, well, you're just going to let people drag your name through the mud. Not that anything has happened like that. But, like, as far as being in control and of your, like, narrative and as well as people being a fan of you and wanting to know more. Mm -hmm. And they don't deserve it, but I, it's nice to let people in a little bit. Yeah, They don't absolutely. need to know all about your life, right. but the little bit that you will like, they would like to know about somebody who inspires them. This is for everybody. This is going to be your friends yeah. that you inspire who don't often even say it. So... Um, can you tell the people where they can find you? Do you do social media? Oh, uh, yeah. I am on Facebook and Instagram. Facebook, just look for my name, Alex Hines. Um, Instagram, grade me A plus, underscores in between each of those. 
And they can contact you there too if they want to book yeah, you, right? Absolutely. Yes, and he played several instruments. He's a uh, sound engineer. He does all of the above, and he has a bunch of friends who do all of the above too. So if you need something, you can contact him. You can contact me. But besides that, um, we're gonna get ready for rehearsal and we're gonna wrap this up. It's been great having you. I'm so happy. It's been a pleasure. Well, I'm very happy to have had this opportunity. Thank you so much. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been James Major Burns and Alex Hines, and this. Is the third degree. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night.